Hey everyone, this is Sherry Purdy. And this is Miriam Lake. And you're listening to Your Best Life, powered by Mercy One. Welcome. Today we are super excited because we have a registered dietitian, Virginia Brown, with us from Mercy One. And she is going to talk to us about the holidays are coming up and we need to watch what we're eating. And we have all the questions that... Uh, we, we all want to know about how to watch our calories during the holidays, so we're super excited about that. But before we get to that, we wanted to give a shout out to those listeners who have been sending some emails to us on our podcast at mercyhealth.com. Thank you for listening. And um, one of them, uh, a couple of them actually uh, shouted out to us from the Don't Be a Dumbbell episode, episode two, um, when we were talking about, hey, you, you can do it any place. And I just wanted to give a shout out to those two who said that while they were listening, Miriam, they got up and did wall push-ups. <laughs> Yay! Yes. So awesome. thank you. Thank you for listening. We appreciate your feedback. And then in talking about concussions, Bonnie says the episode with Adrian Rains was very informative. And Jody says, great podcast. That was a great uh, podcast. I got to say, um, Kobe, li- talking to Kobe or listening to Kobe and Adrian was fantastic information for me as a mother. Uh, I got a lot out of it just because I have a, a young son who's in sports. And I thought it was fantastic information that any person listening could use for themselves or for their kids down the road. That was great. So thank you so much for listening to us. And giving us your feedback. Please uh, give us any type of feedback you have anytime. Again, we are podcast at mercyhealth.com. And I'm going to say it again because we love to hear from you. Podcast at mercyhealth.com. Today, we are excited about our guest speaker on our podcast today. Uh, Virginia Brown, who's a registered dietitian for Mercy One, is with us today to answer all of our questions about holiday eating, Um, any myths or facts out there about certain diets people have questions about or just anything that comes up in conversation. So thank you so much for Virginia coming and talking to us on our podcast. Thanks for having me. So I guess um, my question right away to you is, you know, people assume with Halloween candy coming and Thanksgiving coming and Christmas coming and then New Year's Eve celebrations, they gain a lot of weight. Is that a fact or is that a myth that people gain I mean, I've heard six to seven pounds, but then I've done some research on my own and seen that it's a lot less than that. What what do you see? That's a good question. I think it varies. Um, same thing with cruises, too. People tend to gain about five, six pounds. It's hard to give a general answer, but yeah, a lot of people will have mild to severe weight fluctuations around the holidays. I think that also is in conjunction with the weather. Um, people are moving around less. We have less sunlight. It's cold outside. Um, those things together with holiday meals, bigger times together as a family, um, those things can definitely add to some weight gain. Does the Halloween, what, like which holiday is the biggest weight gain there is? Is there a certain one or is it all three combos? That's a good question. <laughs> I think, I don't know of any studies that have actually like gone to see specifics. I would say around Thanksgiving, Christmas and that time together, um, we see a weight gain more towards the beginning of the year in January where people want to start making more changes. But I don't think there's specific numbers, but that's a great question. Well, and I I mean, you make a great point bringing up the old when it gets dark outside sooner and when it gets cold out, people move less. So, of course, that's when you do start to gain weight. And, you know, around November, late October, you start to not intentionally move less. But because of the getting darker outside, I think it makes people 
kind of want to snuggle in for the night when it gets cold versus let's go outside for a walk. So I think that plays a big part of it that I've never thought of until you said that today. Absolutely. So, um, so with that being said, do you have, you know, when people come and talk to you about, okay, for the holidays, I really want to watch my weight. What's the first thing that you tell them to start looking at when wanting to watch their weight for the holidays? The first thing I would tell people is one day isn't going to make or break your diet. Um, it's habits overall. And so if people are starting to make changes before and in between and after, um, that's really going to set them up for success uh, more than just one day. So to kind of take those holidays in stride, um, to pay attention to them, but not to let it overwhelm you too much. The other I would say is to take some time to kind of figure out what you want the holidays to look like. There is a lot of food surrounding holidays, but there's also a lot of stress. Family can bring stress for people. If you're the one in charge of making the food, if you have kids, a lot of things kind of compile into that short time. I think it's important to spend some time and figure out what's important to you during the holidays, what are potential downfalls or things that are going to stress you out, and how are you going to handle those, not just with food, um, but in relation to food we eat for stress as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, figuring out that and and what's going to bring you the most enjoyment. Um, It's a holiday season or when grandparents come and make really awesome food, and you look forward to that, and that's good. But figuring out how to do that in balance is really important. Um, I feel like during the holidays, people tend to go on one end or the other end of the spectrum, the first one being um, skipping meals and then eating absolutely everything during the holiday season, or um, they'll be really restrictive. I don't want to gain weight. I don't want to eat this or that. Um, And both of those can really have negative outcomes. If you feel like you can't eat anything and you're really restrictive, when you let yourself, you end up eating probably more than you intended and end up eventually eating more. If we eat everything during that meal, we still have negative consequences of eating a lot of salt, a lot of fat, a lot of sugar all in one time and end up overeating, especially if we skip meals. So figuring out how to do that in between, still making sure you get breakfast, you get lunch, Whenever that holiday meal is, you're eating the right portion sizes and making sure that we're doing that well. Well, and I think, too, that people during the holidays, they they look at it as, um, all right, this is my vacation from my normal life. And I'm just going to enjoy Halloween and um, Thanksgiving and Christmas the whole time it starts instead of just the day. So one thing that I've uh, told people, it's a holiday, not a holiday week, not a holiday month. It's a holiday. So enjoy your holiday. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I was at the party store actually last week picking up a few things. And the gal in front of me said, once October 1st starts, she goes, I'm all about everything. It's all candy, food, and celebrations with the family. And she goes, it's just constant. And I think people fall into that sometimes where they're just too much food all the time. But the thing is, if she's okay with that, then, you know, I guess if she knows that once those those days are over, then she's going to have to get back on that wagon of watching what she eats or it's really going to affect her weight. Right. That's the I thing. Think, I think something that people think often is that to increase enjoyment, it's increasing portion sizes. And I don't think that that's true. I think increasing portion sizes can be taking your time. If you really like candy corn, having a serving of that candy corn, but taking your time and really enjoying it, not being scared of that. Um, but then also knowing, okay, when I'm done with this, how else am I going to get enjoyment and make sure that it's that enjoyment of food is in balance with other things, um, but not being scared to enjoy it. 
Oh, I love that. That I mean, I love that you said that because there's so often that we Mm -hmm. tell people, you know, you shouldn't eliminate everything you love because that's only going to make you want it more and actually fall off the wagon to go get it 10 times more. Mm -hmm. So I love that you said as a registered dietitian, take your time, eat it and enjoy it and watch your portion size of it. Mm -hmm. So did you know that candy corn is considered the worst candy Halloween candy there is? I would not be surprised. I'm thankful that's <laughs> it's not pure sugar. Yes. I'm thankful <laughs> it's not the kind I like, but yes. So, okay, I do need to ask then. You 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 keep mentioning portion sizes mm-hmm. and I I know what a portion size is, but for those who who are listening, can you explain what a portion size is when you keep talking about whether it be through fruits, vegetables or through meats or candy? What are cuz there's got to be a different I'm not going to have 3 ounces of candy versus a 3 ounce Yes. So can you explain the difference between those? Yeah, that's a good question. It's a little hard to answer, but I'll do my best. I think with portion sizes, it's good to know where to start and making sure you're taking your time and kind of figuring out also what your body's telling you, paying attention to hunger and fullness cues. Um, You hit on the portion size of meat. Absolutely. That's like a deck of cards or about three, three and a half ounces is one portion. Um, Using your hand is a really good reference. Um, It's kind of particular to you. Um, a handful, kind of like a palmful, would be servings of grains um, or potatoes or things like that, the starchy vegetables. Um, when it comes to um, fats, you want a kind of relation to your thumb, like peanut butter, about a tablespoon would be about that first knuckle of your thumb, which is maybe very different than portion sizes that people who are listening are used to. And just to remember that knowing portion sizes and where to start is important, but making changes from what's normal to you may be more important than what your thumb looks like. If you know, you're, you know, it's so funny is me and Miriam are like looking at our I hand know. as you're saying this. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm looking at my thumb going, that is not, not. the size I usually <laughs> put for to make peanut butter. So yeah, it's, that's a good reference. <laughs> it is. It is a good reference. And I think it's important to know that our needs change, too. Um, if you're getting ready to run a marathon, then your needs are going to be increased. Um, if it's really cold outside and you want to stay in and watch Netflix, your incre- your needs may be a little bit lower. And so I think it's important to know where to start with portion sizes, but being atten- paying attention to know when you're full. If your food stops tasting as good, you're like when you're the first bite when you're hungry tastes amazing. Four, five, six, twenty bites in, it starts to not taste as good. And knowing when to stop is also really important and takes time. And sometimes we're really in tune to that, and sometimes we're really not. I think that's what a lot of people um, forget to do, just to know when to stop or when to tell yourself instead of waiting an hour afterwards and you're like, oh, I'm so full, I can't even Mm -hmm. move. Yes. Well, and I think one of the parts about being with family and in a social environment because it's the holidays is that you forget how much you've put on your plate. You're talking, you're having great conversation and you might pick up some more nuts on the table and you might throw something else on the plate and you're not really paying attention to how much you're eating because of the great conversations mm-hmm. you're having. And it does taste great. The conversations are even better. So it's taking your mind away from the great taste to even know when to stop. Does that make sense? It's yeah. like, oh my gosh, I ate, what? How much did I eat? <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, so for, for you to say, slow down, you know, and enjoy every bite enjoy the conversation, but just be aware of what you're putting on your plate too, while you're having those conversations takes, you know, makes a big difference too, I think. Yes. Visualization of your food together on a plate is also really helpful. Americans eat with their eyes. Um, So if our plate is ginormous and we fill it, 
our mind's going to think this is okay serving sizes. This is okay. Mm-hmm. If we start with a smaller plate and start there, finish it, reevaluate, give yourself some time. If you're still hungry, then honor that and eat. But if you feel more full or you could wait, then give yourself some time. There's no rush. Normally, especially during the holidays, we have leftovers, which is beautiful. So there's no need to feel like you need to clean your plate at all. It's funny because as you say that, I, I was reading an article one time about the plate sizes from 1970 to today having increased like 20%. And that's why we have what used to be little Debbie's become big, big Deborah. (laughs) 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 Because we don't even know that, you know, manufacturers are actually making plates bigger because it's just, it's the way, you know, we demand more food. You know, I remember being at a restaurant one time a couple years ago and the plate size they gave me was tiny, tiny. And the amount they gave me seemed really not that much. But in perspective, it was the right amount. I just was, I was used to getting the big plate sizes and the big amounts. And I think back in 1970, that was probably the amount they were serving. Absolutely. There was a study that was done at my alma mater, University of (laughs) Illinois, and they had people come to the cafeteria and they, I don't know how they did it, but they, everybody had a soup bowl and there was a wire or a tube that was actually hardwired to the bottom that was refilling their soup without them knowing it. And they tested after everyone was done how much soup they had. And if they were a little bit distracted, there was a presentation, but it showed that we as Americans really think that when we're done is when the thing is empty and Mm -hmm. not realizing if it's refilled at the bottom, we'll keep eating. And so I can't drive home enough talking to people about just being aware of what when you're full and not feeling like you need to clean your plate, really being aware of what your eyes think is normal and just challenging that. There's no direct answer for for everybody looks different, but just being aware of looking at your plate, starting with plates Mm -hmm. and being aware of the portion sizes. It's a great, I mean, that's, that's so great because, you know, I think people think of registered dietitians saying you need to eat this and not this. You need to eat Mm -hmm. this and not this. And this is the exact calories you need to eat. Mm -hmm. And yes, in certain circumstances, you probably need to do that. But for the majority of us Mm -hmm. who have, you know, want to watch our weight or need to lose a little weight, it really comes down to vision and eating the rainbow on Mm -hmm. our plate and not overeating and slowing down to enjoy it, you know, and, you know, I love, like, I'm going to say it again. I love that you say, eat what you want. Just watch how much you eat of it, Mm -hmm. really, because that's the hard part. So when you shovel your lunch in at lunchtime because you have to go to a meeting, <laughs> slow down, Jerry. Yeah. How many times have you seen me starving? Like, oh my gosh, I can't even taste this. I'm just eating <laughs> it so fast. I just need calories. I just need something in my stomach. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so that brings a great point. So as I shovel down my lunch sometimes, um, let's say I'm going to a big dinner or let's say I'm going to go to a big Christmas dinner. Mm-hmm. You mentioned this right away. Can you budget your carbs or can you budget your calories so you can have a bigger meal later? Does that actually work for someone? In my experience and what people have told me, no. Our body responds if we skip meals. We get Our body gets, I guess, metabolically scared. That's a bad way of oversimplifying. But when we're skipping meals, there's a, a physiological response that our body has. Hangry? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Emotional. <laughs> totally. Yes. Emotional, mental. We can feel fatigued. We can be grouchy. That's the, kind of the last thing we really want on top of everything else during the holidays. But in any day when we're skipping meals like that, our body responds Um, And a lot of times, if we end up eating less than we need to, our metabolism will slow down. And this is actually partly why normal dieting doesn't work very well. If we eat less than we need to over time, 
and then we lose weight, maybe in the short run, once we go back to what we thought was normal, we'll end up gaining because our metabolism slowed down to accommodate. And now the normal portions we were used to don't match what our metabolism can handle. So I would say no, uh, making sure you eat healthy meals and eating consistently. Enjoy the the holiday dinner meal if it's a big meal. Um, that's okay. But skipping meals is more often going to lead to overeating even during that big meal. And that also has negative effects. Yeah. Well, and you know, um, you even saying, you know, your body becomes its own engine. So it's very smart. Mm-hmm. And so when you when it when you don't feed it enough, it thinks you're going to starve it. So it's going to hang on to those fat cells a lot harder than if you just ate consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because if your body's not used to something and you go right to that point of not eating enough calories, I could see it slowing down your your me- metabolism mm-hmm. too. So and and so that's a good point too. You know, I was reading something about the biggest loser. Remember that TV mm-hmm. show that was super popular? Yes. I read somewhere, and I, I really do believe this, that 80% of those participants who lost all that weight, including the winners, have gained back all their weight or more because they were not taught how to eat better. They were just given what to eat. And they're and made you know, to work out five mm-hmm. hours a day yeah. was not real. So exactly. their, their bodies didn't know how to respond. Kind of like what you said, Virginia, that, you know, your body doesn't know how to respond to it. So it's like, what are you doing? So when they went back to normal living, they gained that weight back because that was not normal living for eight weeks for them. Yeah. So, and, and you said, you know, diets don't work for a lot of people because of that. Mm-hmm. It's just not normal to be right. on a diet your whole life. Right. Either. Being realistic about your goals and what you want to do um, is super important and making sure too that when you're making changes, if it's all tied into weight loss and you don't see that weight loss, we get really, really frustrated and we end up going back to what was normal and it just it's this vicious cycle. But making sure that we know we have realistic changes that we feel good about, I believe normally when we do that, the weight will follow. Um, but when we don't tie it to a certain amount of weight or a certain amount of time and we feel good about those changes across the board, that's really where we set a, set ourselves up for success. Yeah. And I think it's a success is if you don't gain weight during the holidays. Oh, absolutely. You got to enjoy all that food and you didn't gain weight. That is a success. Mm-hmm. Weight maintenance <laughs> yeah. is half of the battle. Once, Even if you want to lose weight at some point, you have to maintain that. And if we're not learning how to do that either, then long term, that's still going to lead us into a path of frustration. Mm-hmm. So for those um, people who are looking to get started on a weight loss program, because Sherry and I, and you probably get this a lot too, what should I do? What diet should I follow to lose weight? So the the ones that are trending right now. The best way to answer that I think would be um, there's certain things that we know are healthy for everybody, making sure that you're eating enough fruits and vegetables making sure that you don't have an allergy or, you know, things like that, but um, eating fruits and vegetables, making sure you're getting whole grains, um, eating lean meats, making sure you're getting dairy products. Um, Again, if you're not lactose intolerant, but making sure you're getting a well-balanced diet. There are some diets that aren't very well-balanced and that are more used in the short term for weight loss. And those don't necessarily end up being bad. But again, I think it's really important to make sure that our goals are realistic and that what you're changing about yourself is something you want to maintain. We can do a lot of things in the short run that aren't going to be lifelong and it's going to end to end in weight yo-yoing. And we know that that also has negative effects for our body. So Miriam, do you have specifics that any of your clients ask you about? Well, I, I, the keto diet is a big one right now that a lot of people talk about. Absolutely. Well, maybe explain what that is. Can yeah. you do that, Virginia? Yes, I can. 
So the, the keto diet is the idea of allowing your body to run on fat, which it adapts to do. Um, it does it every day in short bursts, but our body normally runs on glucose. When we eat carbohydrates, our body processes it down to blood sugar, and that's what our body uses as energy. The keto diet is really eating low, 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 low carbohydrates and eating high fat and normal protein. And what that does is it allows our body to have enough calories for what it needs um, and making sure that we're running on fat. That can help a couple people. It can help a lot of people in certain things if you have insulin resistance. If there's less blood sugar in your body, then you need less insulin. And over time, that can help lower insulin resistance. That can help some people who have metabolic syndrome, diabetes. It's been found to really help that population. Um, but yeah, it's it's the idea of really high fat, um, moderate protein, and low carbohydrate. Would that be some for someone who exercises a lot? Would they be able to maintain a keto um, diet plan and do hard physical activity? Yes. Then normally for, and that's a good point because for somebody who doesn't have any health problems, the average person, yes, they'd be able to do that fine. Where it can get tricky is that when your body is running on a different fuel source, a lot of things change. Your need for salt increases. Um, if you don't have enough salt and you're doing this keto diet, you can feel like you have the flu. You can feel pretty crummy for a week as your body kind of transitions. Um, constipation can be an issue for people. If you're on any kind of blood medication, have a kidney, heart, lung condition, if this is something you want to do, it can be helpful. But I would really recommend seeking physician guidance throughout that for medications, making sure that we're not going to have any adverse effect from it. Um, dietitians and physicians are going to be a really good resource for people who want to do that, who do have a condition. But for someone who doesn't have any health conditions, physical activity on a keto diet would be fine. So did that take the place of the Atkins? Is it Are they similar or are they different? That's a good question. Atkins has also kind of changed over time, but there's low carb diets and there's very low carb diets. So some people will do as an example, I would still call this low, um, but about 40 grams of carbohydrates per day. Um, if we think about one slice of bread being 15, two slices of bread in your day is almost the total that you would be allowed per day. That's pretty low. Some people will even do lower of less than 20. It kind of depends on how your body responds. And if you're wanting to do this diet, it would take a lot of time to get used to that. Um, but it's Atkins tended to be low carb, not very low. Um, and kind of more protein and not necessarily high fat. So the keto is really that high fat that makes it different than other diets. So, you know, the the main, as you, I think you said, or maybe I've read that, that macronutrients are your proteins, your fats, and your carbs. Yes. The keto diet you, you mentioned is protein and high fat. Well, is so the myth of high fat being bad for you isn't necessarily true then in that p- particular instance or can you explain why you're saying high fat is a good thing in the keto diet? Yes, that's a very good question that science is still trying to particularly answer. It's a great question. When our body is running on fat, the hormone responses such as insulin and other things dramatically change. In the studies that we have short term, it shows that our body runs differently and it tends to be able to handle that pretty well. When we're doing normal carbohydrate and our body's running on glucose, we have different hormonal responses. Um, That can dramatically change kind of how our body responds to certain foods. Um, 
trying to think of the best way to explain that. That was, that's a very good question. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking for listeners out mm-hmm. there, you know, like I've always been told stay away from the fats and, but there are several types of type, you know, types of fats. Yes. There's your saturated and trans fat versus your poly, sat, you know, yes. poly mono. And so I think that confuses a lot of people oh, because absolutely. you're not talking about don't go take a steak and use and eat all the fat off the side of the steak. You're saying different types of fats are better than others. Not, every fat is equal. Yes. Well, some keto diets really do promote all fats. Okay. Uh, well, with the exception of certain oils, but absolutely hitting on different kinds of fats. Heart healthy fats or omega-3 fats are fats that our body needs. We can't produce them on our own. Um, fats in general, we need them. We need them. For every cell in our body has fats. Our brain is primarily fat. A lot of our hormones and vitamins need fat in order to be created. Um, so fat's super important and the type of fat is also important. Um, saturated fat we know is risked or linked to increased cholesterol, cardiovascular disease. We really want to try to limit those saturated fats. Trans fats are also very similar. The name has to do with the chemical structure of the fat itself. Um, Trans fats we know also are linked to cardiovascular disease on the bright side. The U.S. has officially taken them out of our food system starting January First, 2020, that's coming oh, up. awesome. Yes. Yay. There was a, about a three-year lag for people Excellent. to kind of catch up, but that'll be no longer in our food system, which is awesome. There's some naturally occurring trans fat, but the correlation of that to heart disease is much, much, much lower. Um, saturated fat's going to be found in a lot of our packaged foods, a lot of pre-made cookies, cakes, chips, fried foods. Um, a lot of really fatty meats can also be higher in that. Again, naturally occurring tends to be better processed by our body. Um, the mono or poly unsaturated fats, if we hear about those, those are the ones that are going to be heart healthy. They're going to raise that good cholesterol, won't promote that bad cholesterol raise in our blood. Um, that's going to be found in really fatty fish like salmon, mackerel, um, and nuts like walnuts, flaxseed, chia seeds, olive oil, anything, any oil that's going to be liquid at room temperature. A good key to knowing if it's got saturated fat is if it's solid at room temperature. Things like butter, lard. If we pull a steak out of the fridge and and leave it on the counter, that white fat's still going to be there. That's that saturated fat we want to avoid. Okay. Is this going to affect our McDonald's french fries? That's a good point. Because they are good. (laughs) Yes, they're actually fried. So they are not. We want to avoid all fried foods. I'll be clear (laughs) out the get-go. But the oil. But you told me I could have three. (laughs) Yes. Well, in moderation. It is fried in peanut oil, which is one of the reasons that average Americans actually aren't deficient in omega-6 fatty acids. Um, Sunflower oil, safflower oil, corn oil, peanut oil, all those have omega-6 fatty acids, which we do also need. But normally we get enough, unfortunately, from sometimes questionable sources. But Mm -hmm. we do normally get enough of that in our diet, which is great. So, Miriam, you can have a couple French fries still. Don't worry about it. (laughs) So as far as um, the, the diets go, is there any diets out there that you would highly recommend avoiding or... I guess, you know, you're, you're, you're always going to go back, talk to your physician and talk to a diet registered dietitian, but is there anything out there that you think, you know, it's not worth the time or the effort because it doesn't really work? Yes. That's a good question. I would say there's a couple new ones that I'm hearing and I won't use specifics to, to put anyone on blast, but there's a couple diets out there that are, um, very heavily product based. Um, the good parts of those is that sometimes you get access to a health coach, someone you can talk to consistently, which is wonderful support. But there are some that are 
a lot of bars, shakes, meal replacements um, that are not really learning or they're not teaching people how to eat and have a relationship with food and how to choose food. Um, at a certain point that runs out, it's also very expensive. I don't think that the average American needs to be eating a lot of meal replacements to get the nutrition that they need. If we're eating enough fruits and vegetables, if we're eating meats and variety, if we're eating the rainbow, absolutely making sure we're getting what we need. We do that pretty well. Um, there's a couple yeah, out there that are a lot of bars, meal replacements, and not real food. And we always want to promote people eating real food. You know, and I, I mean, not to knock any meal replacements or anything like that, mm-hmm. but I understand certain pe- populations and people who are sick have to have some of those meal replacements because there's no other options. But for me, the taste of them versus having real food, it's like, exactly. give me the option of real food anytime. Because, yes. You know, if I have to have that in a shake versus having it on a plate, I'm going to have it on a plate if I can. Yeah. You know, and, and every everybody's different and, and their needs are different. And there's different things that people have to have those for. But for the majority, like you said, it's so expensive. It is. And for, yeah, there's, you're absolutely right. There's people who need excess calories. They have certain conditions going on and that serves a great purpose. If we're using those for all of our food, that we're only eating a product by a certain company that's supposed to help with weight loss or whatever else, it's really expensive and tends to be unnecessary. There's also a lot of ingredients we don't know what's in them. And that normally is fine. Processed food in general is okay. We just want to limit it. Um, but when it's all of that processed and we, we don't know if we have an allergy, we don't know what's in there, if we can't read it, then it tends to be a big gray area for people. And I've seen that a lot mm-hmm. for the average American, making sure we lower processed food is good. Um, there's, but it does serve a purpose. You're absolutely right. Well, and I think too, you know, we keep talking about food, but just in my mind, as you're talking about these wonderful foods and my mind goes to great things I love to eat, but also drink. Mm-hmm. So when holidays come up and you socialize, you know, Alcohol has a lot of, should I say, people don't think about the calories that alcohol brings to it or just like your eggnog or your mm. margaritas. Mm, margaritas, whatever yes. it may be. It's like, you know, you, you don't always put those in the food class, but you, they're forgotten calories sometimes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those are the calories that really add up versus the food you're eating too, that's, because it makes you not full. <laughs> that's a great point. Always being careful of what you're drinking is important and The only thing that we need that's absolutely good for us is going to be water. That doesn't mean that's all we can drink. My coffee right here? Yes, I have my (laughs) coffee here too. Sometimes it's necessary and they're not bad. Um, Black coffee also doesn't have any calories in there. The, The problem is that they're really sneaky. It's hard to know exactly what we're consuming, especially the volume. Um, a lot of times it just goes through your stomach very quickly. If you were to be eating a calorie equivalent like mashed potatoes instead of a margarita, you would have that feeling of full. It'd kind of sit in your stomach. Mm-hmm. You'd kind of be able to interact with it more. But when we're drinking something and it goes through really quick, it's hard for us to know, okay, I had this amount of whatever's in there. We really have a hard time with that. If we're drinking something, it's helpful to put it again with your meal have your drink with your plate and view it as a part of your meal, knowing that there's something in there. It's not empty. There's something in there. It's not just water. Um, it can. There's certain things like margaritas and eggnog that we don't get all the time and that we can enjoy, and that's okay. Making sure we also know what the serving sizes are, and that would be looking at the back of that label okay. for the eggnog. If it's an alcoholic beverage, making sure that we know what one portion size looks like and making sure that we're if we're drinking, making sure that we're in a safe environment, we're not doing that too much, mm-hmm. and we know what we're putting in our body. Right. One thing that I've seen, and 
that maybe I was being a little judgy this weekend when I was at the mall, but I saw a kid and his mom at a popular drink place getting, she got a coffee and he had gotten one of those little fancy whipped, it looks like ice cream with oatmeal or with, uh, not oatmeal, with uh, Oreos (laughs) and whipped cream. And it was like two o'clock in the afternoon and he was probably 10. And I'm thinking, does it's probably got what six or seven hundred calories in that thing, and it's it's scary to look at some of the drinks. But it could have been his birthday. It could have been. been his birthday. Could have been. But those sizes can be yeah ginormous. Yeah, when you were talking about how plate sizes increased, cup sizes have increased dramatically, and you're absolutely right. Some of those drinks can be the equivalent of calories for a meal, and it's totally okay to enjoy some of those beverages, but really knowing the appropriate sizes. Well, you know, McDonald's now you can go to. Uh, you can pay a dollar for a small, medium, or large. So mm-hmm. what do you think the majority of <laughs> exactly. young Americans are going to buy? Because it's like, get the best bang for your buck. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Give me that, that full-size large for the same price, you know? It's, so It's hard. It really is hard when there's things that we enjoy and the price kind of fits what we're wanting it to be. Um, really viewing money and the choice to drink something else as an investment in your health can be really helpful. Water is free mm-hmm. and we can enjoy soda, but we also have choices with soda. Is, is there caffeine? Is it a diet? Is it regular? How much are we drinking? There's choices in that too. And it can be really hard to make those choices, but really being aware of what we're doing is a good start. How much are we having in a day? Yeah. Speaking of regular and diet pop, we get this question a lot. So if I switch from not me. If someone switches from regular to diet, isn't that better than drinking regular pop? Yes. Yes would be the answer. But then why Mm -hmm. do people still not lose weight if they switched? That's a very good question. There's a couple. Um, One is that the diet sodas don't have calories, but they're still sweet. And sometimes if sometimes they're a little bit sweeter. A lot of people say that they don't like diet soda because it tastes sweeter than if there was general sugar in there. Part of the problem is that when we drink something sweet and it doesn't necessarily have calories, we think, oh, it's okay. We can have more. And then what happens is, is that now we're used to a higher level of sweet and a greater volume. And now let's say we go to a birthday party and we eat cake. We might be trying to reach that same level of sweet that we're used to with the diet soda, and now we're eating more than we did before trying to reach that. Mm-hmm. It's important to be aware of how much sugary foods we're eating in general, even the ones that don't have calories. That That's one of a big reason why that could be. Um, another two is there's a lot more research that's going on behind the sugar replacers or the alternatives, normally they're safe, especially in the quantities that we drink them. Sometimes people drink them in big, big, big quantities and we're doing more research in our field to figure out kind of what's going on. Um, There's more research to be done about that. But the main reason is a lot of times too, if people are switching to diet, they may be drinking less, but seeking that sugar from something else. Well, and sugar is kind of addicting. You know, the brain is used to it, so it's kind of an addicting effect when you don't have it. Or when you do have it, you want more of it. So like you said, even if it's you went from regular Pepsi or whatever you may drink to a diet, you still have that effect of the sweet taste, which is what you like. So probably eating other things, thinking, I can do that. I just saved 80 calories or 150 calories from having a diet, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. So There was a patient that just told me last week that she thought – quitting smoking was easier than quitting sugar. And that's something I think we need to validate because 
eating isn't going to go away. We don't evolve past eating to live. And if sugar is a part of that, figuring out how to do that well is hard. It's not something that's easy. Mm -hmm. And sugar is in so many products. Almost everything on our shelves has a form of sugar in it. So really, I can see how it's hard to walk away from it. I mean, even our fruits have a natural sugar, but you know, everything has, it seems like a form of sugar in it a little bit. So I can see why it would be very hard to bring that, the amount of sugar you eat down for someone. Ketchup has a lot of sugar in it. A lot of our sauces, dressings, the Mm -hmm. things we add to food has a lot of that hidden sugar. A lot of the studies that are looking into the negative effects of having too much sugar don't count fruit. And that's to mean, or I guess that's to say, Uh, naturally occurring sugar is definitely different than the sugar that we add to Mm -hmm. things. If we were to eat an apple, there's a whole apple. There's fiber in there, in the flesh of the fruit, in the skin. That really helps make sure that our blood sugar doesn't raise as quickly. There's vitamins and minerals in there. Um, Whereas if we were to eat the same amount in canned peaches, that's going to be very different. There isn't as much fiber in there. There's going to be some of that vitamins and minerals cooked out. It's still a good option to make sure we're getting fruit. Um, But when we compare those to things like ketchup, things like dressings and sauces, it definitely is a difference. And we also know what we're getting when we eat the apple. Mm-hmm. We It's really hard to know sometimes what we're getting with the amount of dressings that we're adding. That's a great point too about canned fruit versus natural, the, the mm-hmm. actual product fruit where you can just eat it, you know, from the, the shelf or whatever. So, because I think a lot of people think, well, if I'm having a canned peach, it's still a fruit, but the syrup that goes into it to maintain that canned fruit, you know, it could be up there for a year or two. <laughs> So there's other products in that that can. Although, like, is it, it would it be better to have a canned fruit versus something else? It's better to have canned fruit than none. There's okay. also more and more options of canned fruit being in juice and not having syrup, which is awesome. The other is that it is shelf-stable. And the reality is that it's really hard sometimes to buy fruit knowing it's going to go bad. Mm-hmm. If anybody has kids, that's something they tell me all the time is mm-hmm. they bought all this fruit and it goes bad. Um, so making sure you feel like that you have options that will be shelf-stable are also important in having a balance of those. Um, but again, when we look at that can, making sure we know what's in there and reading the label, is it in heavy syrup or is it in juice? Mm-hmm. And what does that difference look like? All right. Well, I think we're going to wrap this one up because we have so many more questions for you, but we'd love to have you back on this podcast, Virginia, because, you know, I know there's a lot of listeners out there that beyond what we talked about today, there are so many other questions that we get questions about, but I know that you do. Mm -hmm. We'd love to, um, you know, find out from you some more things about just what's going on and what people are thinking and and hear from our listeners as well as what they want to know about. So if you would love to come back, and hopefully you do, we would love to have you back on this podcast sometime. It sounds great. You know, and I guess, you know, in summary, you're saying to everybody out there, it's all in moderation. And we've heard that from the get-go on everything. And um, don't be afraid for the holidays to eat what you want, but enjoy it and do it in moderation, whether it be drink or food. And enjoy the social aspect, but be aware of what you're putting in your mouth and slow down eating it. Correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and step away from the buffet. <laughs> yes. Not and only linger. three French fries, Marion. Yes, <laughs> three French fries. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I thank you so much for coming. It's been a joy having you on today, and we'll see you soon. Thank you. So our next episodes that are coming up is um, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So, of course, we're going to be talking everything that has to do with breasts and getting them screened and things that we all need to know 
um, concerning the girls. The other thing that's coming up is flu shots. The flu season is just getting started and we want to know everything that there is about why we need to get our flu shots and, and what's coming up with that. So make sure if you have any questions for us that you reach out to us before those episodes happen because we'd love to uh, ask those experts that are coming in on our panel to talk about those two those two um, subjects. So again, podcast at mercyhealth.com. Let us know your thoughts, your, your, your questions, and we will make sure that we ask those experts for you.